Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how you doing? Doing quite well, Scott. Seem to have survived uh, Dia de los Muertos and um, didn't get a single or take a single bite of candy. Wow, that's wow. like setting records. I feel very good today. <laughs> Wait, I do too. It's a gorgeous day outside. I think it's a high of like 72 here in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, so it's gorgeous. And we've got a great conversation teed up. Greg, today we're going to be diving into ideas and approaches for navigating all this inflation and managing through this changing, ever-evolving economy. Yeah. And we all know lots of change that business leaders are digesting bite by bite in recent months, right? Yeah, and we're going to get another change of probably three quarters of a percentage point uh, t- tomorrow, right? Man, the Fed meets. They've started meeting today. They'll announce tomorrow whatever they're going to do. Wow, those mortgage rates. Uh, for the I feel sorry for those new home buyers, uh, first time buyers. But uh, hey, right. hey, they'll find the a way. Is the houses aren't nearly so overpriced as they used to. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Yes. Well, hey, let's say hello to a, a few folks that are already here. Uh, most importantly, folks, we want to hear from you. We've got a great guest that we're going to be introducing in just a second. Uh, great conversation teed up over the next hour. And hey, let us know what you're thinking, and we'll share that uh, throughout the hour. Josh Goody, backed by popular demand. Uh, he who hails from Seattle, the West Coast. We demand a weather report. <laughs> Josh, always. <laughs> Josh, I always enjoy your perspective uh, as we work through these conversations, uh, both the funny stuff and uh, your serious contributions. Yeah. Uh, Jerry uh, Levy from Smyrna, right here in the metro Atlanta area via LinkedIn. Well, it could right. be. Yeah, there. It, I, I think it's Smyrna, Georgia. Yeah, I think it is. Home, home of one of your favorite uh, Italian restaurants of all time, if I'm not Don't mistaken. Greg, right? Speak the name of it. Yes. <laughs> Trying not to have the whole city of Atlanta go Gotta, to only legit Italian place, according to my Italian friends <laughs> in the Atlanta area. I bet Jerry knows where we're talking about. Maybe so. Maybe so, Jerry. Uh, I see Greg's protecting those reservations. I love that. And Jerry says he bought candy that I hate or that he hates, so he won't eat it. That's a great tactic there, uh, Jerry. It is a great tactic. I wish there was candy that I hated. Uh, that's right. Um, <laughs> Joey K is back with us uh, in the, from the Minneapolis area. Great to see you, Joey, uh, via LinkedIn. Let us know how you're doing. Michelle tuned in from LinkedIn. Let us know what part of the world you're tuned in from. Hey, Josh is giving that weather report. 50 degrees and rainy and celebration for the top of the table in the Premier oh. League. Yeah. Greg, is that, a, is that a, a barb your way, maybe? Yeah, it okay. is. <laughs> Look, I hey, forget, I'm looking for- Josh, are you... A gunner, or are you a Chelsea fan? You'll have to remind me. If he's it's a gunner, look- we're going to have um, we're going to have a strongly worded conversation after this. <laughs> I haven't looked at I haven't looked at the uh, standings lately. Well, hey, the World Cup is right around the corner. Looking forward to that. One of the best sporting events of the year. Uh, Tamisha, great to have you here via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Uh, Sven, oh, she. I wonder if she is from Smyrna. Yes. Ah, we'll see. Yeah. Tamisha, let us know. She may have been referring to that restaurant that yeah. we shall not speak Let's its name. See how diplomatic she was? Oh, he is an Arsenal fan. Oh, <laughs> Sven from Germany uh, via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, he found screwball peanut butter whiskey with eggnog mix. How about that? Goodness gracious, Josh. That's quite a, uh, it's quite a concoction. Did he find it yesterday? And did what? you consume it yesterday? See <laughs> uh, tuned in uh, via LinkedIn from Philadelphia. What a great city that is. Great to have you here. Michelle's tuned in from Naples. Mm-hmm. We were making that connection earlier. Uh, and finally, uh, Gene Pledger from North Alabama. Good morning. Everybody knows where Gene is from. Yeah, that's right. And T Squared, who holds down the Fort Force on YouTube. Love his work there. Good Tuesday afternoon. He says, bring on 
the supply chain management nourishment. So with that said, there's our segue. I want to introduce Greg. Are you ready to do it? You ready to uh, bring in our esteemed guest here today? Let's start the swooshing. I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to bring in, (laughs) bring in uh, Ranga Bodla, Vice President, Field Engagement and Marketing with Oracle NetSuite. Hey, hey, Ranga, how are you doing? Good morning or good afternoon, I guess, depending on where people are uh, are tuned in. So that's right. That is right. Uh, that's that's why I try to capture it all on the front end, morning, <laughs> afternoon, evening, based on wherever you are in the world. But uh, thank you for catching that, Ranga. And clearly, we've got a lot of activity in the cheap seats, the skyboxes, whatever we want to call it. So I think everybody's using that that uh, sugar rush still, right? Maybe so. <laughs> uh, all right. So speaking of. Ranga, see what I did there. Speaking of, I want to start with a f- little fun warm-up question with you, right? If you're like us, uh, and maybe not Greg, because Greg's doing really good, shying away from the candy. But if you're like our household, we've got candy coming out of our ears, like inventory um, across the retail world right now. Ranga, what is one or maybe a couple of your favorite Halloween candies each year? So I'm going to go with all of the peanut butter-based candies as my as my favorites so reese's pieces reese's peanut butter cups uh don't see them as much uh but even a butterfinger uh, oh yeah you know? oh yeah those did are you, those are definitely chew on the whole night getting it <laughs> <laughs> well now did you know so greg i'm gonna come get yours too we've talked about this once or a thousand times but the butterfinger was named after a write-in campaign, I think back in the 20s or 30s, you know, 100 years ago. And the winner actually used a buddy's nickname that happened to be a bit of a klutz. And so that's where the Butterfinger came from, the name of the candy bar. I've never made the connection. I thought maybe as a reference to how buttery the candy bar is, but it, yeah, it, was, it was a nickname of a buddy. How about that, Greg? Totally worth it, right? I mean, I, I think it makes perfect sense for the candy bar. I agree. So, uh, all right. So Ranga said everything peanut butter, and we're going to have to connect Ranga with Josh Goody, who uh, is getting creative with some peanut butter stuff up his way. Greg, what's what's some of your favorite uh, candies each year when you are eating them? Yeah, gosh. I I mean, I'll eat anything the kids, you know, wouldn't in in their bag. But I, I have to say, I'm not a huge peanut butter chocolate fan, except on Halloween. And I love the teeny tiny little Reese's peanut butter cups, just the okay. right amount of chocolate and peanut butter, <laughs> but just the little ones. Right. Right. Um, and Ranga, you know, we're in the South, so y- you have to be really careful with, uh, anything that has chocolate because like last night it was about 77 and the chocolate candy, you almost had to put it back in the fridge before you could eat it or eat it when you got it. You know, uh, one last comment about candy. I love how they've gotten smarter with the packaging. There's like less less packaging you get to take off these days with some of those single serve portions, and the portions have evolved a little bit too. Yeah, is it true? They well, of course they have. We're, and we're about to talk about why. That's why Ranga is here today. But did you did did they take the little um, white square out of Reese's cups, Ranga? I feel like if you, I didn't have any of those, Ranga. I the white they are not in there anymore. You know what? I think you're right. Actually, I do think they they did take out the white square, um, and it's just you know it's just got the the, the packaging the the uh, the brown packaging around it. But uh, no, to your to your point, Scott, there is definitely uh, some shrinkflation going mm-hmm. on. Um, I definitely have seen that as uh, as uh, as one of those tactics that I think. Uh, uh, companies are using right now in this uh, in this in these inflationary times. Well, so let's stick with that thought. One final little factoid: some folks would argue that the candy organ, uh, the candy industry, is where shrinkflation started back in the fifties, where some of the original vending machines um, they were making them differently, and um, uh, and and the vending machine companies wanted the candy companies to change the types of products that go into the vending machines and the candy machine machine, uh, the candy company said, Hey, why don't we just make smaller candy bars and they fit perfectly. And so a lot of folks point to the candy companies as where shrinkflation started decades ago, but Hey, I digress. Yeah. We'll get off the sugar conversation for just a minute because um, 
Ranga, I think what would be helpful for our business uh, conversation here today is starting. You know, you, you've got your finger on the pulse with folks out in the industry, business leaders, what's going on. Uh, shrinkflation is just one of many fascinating things taking place, whether you're fans of it or fans against it. But what are some of the things that you're seeing out there in industry, especially with folks trying to deal with this changing economy? So I, you know, Scott the, and Greg, I would think that probably the biggest thing I would say right now is is sentiment continues to be rapidly changing. Um, you know, if you, it, it's 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 actually almost hard for me to believe we're in November now. Um, you know, if you look all the, you know, you if you compared right now to say back in February, the the shift in sentiment and you know just that time frame is 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 pretty is pretty staggering. Um, but I, you know, it, it, it continues to move all over the place. You know, every CF, CFO survey, every big business survey, you know, I feel like it is, it is a, it is a shifting, uh, it continues to shift rapidly is, is what part of the biggest thing. Right. Um, and you know, people are watching, they're watching all the signals. I mean, you guys were talking about it just a second ago, you know, tomorrow, uh, you know, it, the, the fed is going to announce. I mean, I think everyone's pretty sure, you know, three quarters of a, of a point more in terms of, of what they do with, with rates. Um, everyone's watching GDP, you know, I think was that, was that last week or the week before, you know, the GDP numbers came out and they're like, oh, well, you know, it turned out it was more positive than we had expected. Right. Everyone's watching the inflation side of things. Um, unemployment, that continues to be a big one because, uh, you know, they're looking at that, 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 there's there's these layoffs happening. There's there's these different things that are happening, but right. unemployment's still relatively low. You know, I mean, we're still what three and a half, three three point three point five, three point six. Um, and now the conversation is more about uh, productivity. Um, you know, there have been some some declines in productivity, so folks are asking that question. And you know, I, I, honestly, it's it's kind of hard to make sense of it all. Like stagflation, inflation, you know, where, where are recession, not recession, you know, it's kind of like, where, where are we in all this? And, you know, in the absence of it making sense, which frankly, it does not make sense because you've got one signal that's saying one thing, you got another signal that's saying a different thing. Mm. Um, I, I think folks are really, what I hear from folks that are, that they're really looking at figure, trying to figure out is what can I control? What's in my in my span of control that I can actually focus on. Yeah. Um, what am I actually seeing in my specific business? Um, and how can I invest where things are going well and pull back where things are going less well? Um, you know, I, I think there's, there, there is a segment out there that's just saying, you know what, I'm just going to keep things as is. I'm going to hope for the best. Yeah. And, um, but as I always say, you know, hope is not a strategy. Um, and so I honestly don't think that's a good plan. Um, you know, I, I, I think there is a, I was, I was having this conversation yesterday with some business leaders and, and it was this notion of, you know, the, well, you know what, maybe the best thing to do right now is to, to do nothing, just do the status quo. Mm. And, and, and I actually think, you know, the, the status quo is sometimes viewed as a, as not a bad thing. Um, but I think the status quo in particular in the current environment can actually be, be lead to stagnancy. And yep. so I think there's a little bit of a danger with that. And, uh, and so I think it's, it's really important to say, what can I control looking at that? And then what are the levers that I can do? Uh, I can, I can pull to, uh, to, to invest where things are going well and pull back on things that aren't going well. Yep. All right. And we're going to get into some uh, best practice for navigating this environment in just a minute. Uh, now, Greg, Ranga has set quite the holistic table. I mean, really, we've been kind of around industry and then some in the last few minutes. Uh, what comes to your mind, Greg, whether with what Ranga was just sharing or some of your observations out there? Well, I, I mean, uh, shifting sentiment is very diplomatic, Ranga. It's decidedly to the downside, at least the people I've been talking to. Even though, and this is true, even though we technically broke out of a recession we technically weren't in. Well, we technically were in, but we <laughs> continue to deny we were in. But we technically now, but now I'm sure we can say it's a recession because we've broken out of it. 
we actually had a 2.6% GDP increase last quarter, largely on the back of inflation, of course, not really more purchasing, but more costly purchasing of essentially the same goods that people have been doing. And that's, I mean, I see a lot of people, I've never seen so many people so aware of these aspects of things. I think that's one of the blessings and curses of all of the data and all of the information that's available out there, but at least people are informed. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about how, how to tackle this, but um, for a, an economy that is arguably out of, in, out of uh, recession, there's a lot of negative sentiment out there among consumers. Now, why does that matter? The reason that matters is because, as you know, I say, Scott, the consumer is the beginning and the end of the supply chain. No matter how much we think we're driving demand as practitioners or brands or retailers or whatever, all we're doing is make is trying to influence the consumer to choose our product or to choose to place demand against our product. So that really matters as to some of the other things that we're talking about in terms of, of business and what businesses can do in this environment. All right. So, uh, so much off to a fast start, Ranga and Greg, I appreciate that. I want to share just a couple of uh, comments here. Jerry talks about how energy and his view is the inflation driver. Think of all the products he says that we buy that rely on energy prices, plastics, chemicals, everything that's shipped, all shipping companies using energy and so on and so forth. And so we'll see if we can weigh in on that and see if we agree with that or not. Um, Sam loves that hope is not a strategy. Hashtag truth, she says. So nice, uh, Ranga t-shirtism there. I would argue hope is a strategy. It's just a really poor one. So, <laughs> well, I got, um, actually, there's actually a sales book. Talk about appropriate title. That the title is hope is not a strategy because really? if you've ever experienced it, so many salespeople they hope more than they drive. Ah. And I think it, it was a very bold, brash statement back in the 90s. And I, but I think it applies universally, you know, these days. It's absolutely a truth. Ranga? What, what, no, you know, one, one thing, Scott, that uh, you know, Jerry just brought up in energy, and, and we, we may talk about this more later, but and I, I do agree that there's energy is a driver in, in inflation. But what's interesting, particularly in the supply chain and logistics side of things, we were just talking about February earlier, where where arguably things were were a little different, um, and just look at where container costs have shifted. So, right, right. you know, container costs were at like I think it was I want to say it was all the way up to twenty k a container um, yep. back. You know, at, at, you know, January, February, February. Sure, yeah. yeah, and now you know I've been seeing people post you know two to four thousand. You know, so so yeah. container costs have shifted. So, so, you know, yes, energy is a driver, but I also think that, you know, it's interesting too, because that, that the shipping costs have, have actually changed in, um, in six to seven months, which have been, which has been kind of a, uh, an interesting change and shift. Right. Right. Uh, great point there. And thank you, Jerry, for bringing up energy. It's, it's one of those things that affects us all every single hour of the day. Uh, and by the way, hello, Delano and, uh, Gloria Margaret to have y'all with this as well. All right. So I want to shift. I want to shift like that sentiment out there because I want to get in, uh, get into some things that folks can lean on to help them navigate through uh, this this really changing economy. Greg, what comes to my mind <laughs> whenever I said that is those shifting sands we talked about forever. I feel like on 500 episodes about you know companies that build their foundations on that shifting sand, you know, mm -hmm. time and time again they're going to find themselves in trouble. But Ranga. You know, there, I think we're going to talk through four ways, four things, uh, four topics that folks can lean on to successfully navigate this current environment and some of the things that you and Greg have been speaking to. So where do we start, uh, Ranga? So I think there's there's really four four things that we should we should talk about. We can we can expand on that and uh, as you know as part of the conversation. Um, but first and foremost uh, is cash management. I mean, you know, it, it's it's talked about, it's been talked about before, but I think it's really important right now is cash is really king. Um, cash, cash is cash management, free cash flow, and we'll talk about more about that in, in a moment. Um, second, forecasting. 
uh, I think that is uh, is a is another key pivotal item. Um, the third is automation, um, and then fourth is uh, is inventory and um, or inventory management. And I know Greg Greg was you know Greg was asking the question what what does that really mean? And we can talk about what that means. Um, but I think Scott, those four things. They're always critical. Look, they're always right. critical elements that that companies can do and should focus on. But I think right now, in particular, um, they are critical for public companies, for private companies, and for anyone to navigate the current landscape and in inflationary times. That's right. So, folks, buckle up. We're going to dive into all four of these things and get Ranga's and, and Greg's take. And really quick, one quick clarifying comment uh, that you were alluding to with inventory management because pre-show we were talking. Greg's like. Uh, let's clarify there. What do, what do y'all mean by that? And I can tell you what Ranga and Greg are going to talk about is it's not just counting stuff, right? It's not just counting yeah. stuff. So y'all stay tuned as we get through that, uh, that fourth item. All right. So let's dive head first into cash management, Ranga. Speak to that if you would. So I, you know, I think probably the biggest thing is, uh, cash is, 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 is king. As I, as I said, you know, especially now it, what cash allows you to do is obviously figure out and navigate. Like, as I mentioned, the sentiment continues to change. We don't know where things are. And, you know, if things continue to, you know, if they get suddenly worse um, from a, from a revenue perspective, this is where it's really important to understand what, what is my actual cash position? Um, I think it's really easy when times are good to not pay as close attention to where your cash positions are. Um, and where and where things are, particularly right now, it's it's really about assessing where your cash flow is. What's my actual free cash flow? How much room do I have to invest in those? So, you know, first of all, it, it's first and foremost, you got to start and do you know a, that that basic cash flow analysis. Says, what's my working capital? You know, what's the the amount of money that I've got available to not just run my business operations, but also complete the, my my transactions. And that could be the the what 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 is my cash on hand to go and do that? Um, I think second is is maximizing that cash on hand. So yeah. you know everybody should be looking at ways to reduce the their expenses, um, improve their their margins. Um, you know profit is is you know is something that people are paying attention to. Every these last few earnings calls of all these companies. <laughs> You know, it was it's you know there was a big conversation about free cash flow. I mean, if anyone saw Amazon's, uh, you know, there was a lot of concern about the fact that that there was no free cash flow in that in that uh, that earnings report. That's a big change from a year ago, um, where you know maybe it was less. You know, people were focused on the growth element of it, and not necessarily on the growth or even the the actual piece on the free cash flow side. Um, I think in that cash on hand, you got to kind of look at the, the unit economics as, as well. Um, you know, looking at what what's the contribution of, of different products to the bottom line. You know, I know we'll talk about inventory later, but that's going to play into the inventory strategy because if you're uh, if you've got really expensive product that you know has a longer shelf life and you're and you're putting it out there, then then you know you're that's just that's cash that's sitting on your shelf or sitting in a container or sitting in a warehouse um, that's not not helping um, optimize your business. Right. And then, you know, just being proactive with that financial management. You know, when when what we're staring down, we know we're staring down inflation right now. We know we're potentially staring down recessionary times, like you said. Right. Even that is mixed messaging, right? Of course. Um. So, so you, you, you don't want to just wait till like, I'm, you can't just be about wait until month end, um, to, to, to look at where things are. This is almost like a, like a daily checkboard or a daily checklist of, or, or even maybe weekly, but you know, it's really access to that, that data in real time to understand how the business is faring, um, and where you need to make changes. Cause you, you can't afford to just wait. You know, I'm going to wait for my quarter to close out and then right. and then make changes. You got to think about: Do I have the right set of KPIs to make changes tomorrow, Friday? You know, what whatever the the the, the right the right measure is, but really managing that on the cash flow, um, uh, the cash, the managing that cash position, very critical because you got to look at everything 
how much is going out, how much am I getting in, right? How how quickly am I getting it in? All of those pieces, and they, and they all kind of work together. But I think I think that's probably the first and foremost piece. And I'll stop there. Or I'll pause there for a second. Yeah. Scott. L- all right. So, um, Greg, weigh in on cash management. Some of the things that Ron, uh, Ron has shared here today. Yeah, well, it's the ultimate optionality cash, right? I mean, when you think about it from an investment standpoint, optionality is what you're looking for. The, the opportunity to make the decision to be defensive, right? Maybe recession really hits and hits hard. So you've got cash to just survive or to take advantage, right? Oppor- to be opportunistic and really capitalize on it. And it's going to depend a lot on what your business is, what segment of the industry you're in how your competitors are financed, things like that. But cash gives you that optionality to be strongly defensive, right? Maybe just save the company, which is a lot of times what happens in recession. Companies just barely survive and and capitalize on the upswing in the economy because their competitors, to Ronga's point, who were less cash, cash aware or maybe overly indebted, they've gone belly up and now there's market share to capture. So. There's that, or there is the possibility that that some of those, and we've started to see this, some retailers, right, are um, as many are over leveraged, and they're they're starting to struggle or even go bankrupt. Mm. And some are fairly big names, right? And there's a big hole in the market. So if you've got cash, you can capitalize on that as well. So yeah, definitely in in these times, you definitely want to be paring down debt. You want to be accelerating um, your receivables. Um, you, you want to be paring down. Well, we'll talk about this, but you definitely want to be optimizing your inventory for those things that don't require a ton of cash and a ton of speculation. Um, I mean, uh, or that have a really short shelf life, right? So right. Target, Costco, uh, Walmart, and others have gotten caught on the back foot by over-investing in home goods. I always go to the example of patio furniture because I arbitraged some patio furniture this summer. Um, <laughs> but they've, over, they've over-extended themselves on those things. And, and if they had sold through those, they'd have a ton of cash. But right. as they haven't sold through those, they have to sell them off at a loss, which has sort of a double impact on, on their cash uh, position. So yep. um, yeah, definitely... Cash, 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 Scott. We've talked about this, it, you know, knowing that recession was coming. Um, hoard cash, right? Yep. Costs beget costs beget costs. Uh, and secondly, cash. It's better to have it than not have it. Uh, so that, in <laughs> right. addition to what Ron Good Greg are sharing, right. it is not money that is the root of all evil. <laughs> it is the love of money that is right. the root of all evil. Right. Um, all right. So for the sake of time, and I'm going to try to get some of these comments we're getting here in a second. I'll, I'll try to bring those back in in just a minute. Uh, but for sake of time, let's, let's dive into forecasting, uh, Ranga. Yeah. So I think this is, again, then, you know, just building right off of cash. Uh, you've got to forecast, uh, forecast again, and forecast again, <laughs> and forecast again. You know, um, not all businesses are alike. You know, the, the, all all businesses are different. Um, your your business is going to have to be willing to change in, in different ways um, as the as the inflation picture changes. Um, but once you understand your cash flow position, it's time to build for, um, forecasts that consider those unique circumstances of your of your organization. So, you know, one of the biggest pieces here is is having and actually having a forecast or an FP&A strategy. Um, that is that that is is has a lot of scenario planning built into it because um, what you want to be able to do is be proactive rather than reactive. I mean, I love what you were saying, Greg. Like you know that optionality. Like you know, some cases it may be survival. In some cases, it may be taking advantage um, and and gaining market share depending on where you are. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, there's you want to be able to run those what if analyses. Um, you know, see what maybe there's going to continue to be what are the different inflationary effects uh there maybe they're 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 wage based maybe they're product based maybe they're energy based you know the, these are all going to have different um impacts on your business and you kind of have to play that out um you know i i do think this is and you know this is the balance um 
you know, investing in uh, technology here to improve your visibility across your business uh, is is critical because if you don't have a good handle on where those things are, it's kind of hard to to, to forecast. Um, now, some of this may be as simple enough that you can you can do it, um, you know, in you know without a without a without technology. Um, right. But you know, depending on the organization, you've got to. The forecasting piece could be done without technology, to be clear. Um, but I think it is really important to be able to have kind of that real-time, kind of regular, continual um, management of that and be able to, to to make those those changes. So, so you know, to me, that's I think probably the biggest thing on this forecasting piece um, because it's 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 critical right now. Yep, uh, agreed. Uh, Greg, speak to forecasting. Uh, forecast without technology at your own peril. I mean, Ranga doesn't want to sound pitchy, right? Because that's part of what NetSuite does. But my God, please absolutely do not forecast without technology. Uh, <laughs> um, because, um, I mean, there have been study after study after study. 86% of the time, I, I can't name the particular study. We've tried to dig it up before. But 86% of the time when people forecast demand, they are wrong. So, and far wrong. and. I think um, the part of the reason for that is, is all we have as human beings is the past as a frame of reference. And as we've experienced for the last nearly three years now, the past is no indication of the future, not even not future value, not future demand, not the future preferences of of the consumer, which is really what you're forecasting. Whoever your consumer is, whether that's a B2C, an actual consumer, whether that's B2B, a customer of your raw materials or or direct materials or finished goods, whatever it is, um, you're not predicting the item. You're predicting your customer and how your customer will be influenced to place demand on your item, if at all. Right. right? The big mistake that, to go back to our patio furniture example, that the retailers made was they they looked at what had happened in the past, which stunning error for companies so big, is my opinion. but. They looked at it and they didn't realize that people had been freed largely from COVID lockdowns and were starting to get back to work and travel and things like that. They didn't realize that people's sentiment had shifted. And Ronga's has already talked about sentiment here. So you have to include that. Um, and that's very difficult to do by looking at the past and, again, without technology. Agreed. Okay. Uh, quick segue. And I'm going to take some comments. Um, so... You know, going back to forecasting without technology, it's kind of like playing a football game with no helmets these days, right? Yeah, it used to happen like that, but we don't want to do that. We don't you, go back. You wind up with brain damage. Right. The forward pass is a good thing. Okay. Let me share a couple of comments based on these two, first two things, Ranga and Greg, cash management and forecasting. Uh, let's start with Tamisha. Uh, and by the way, Tamisha, a little birdie has told me that you and Amanda worked at America's Mart uh, a while back. So it's so the world she does, So her yes was knowledge of a certain Italian restaurant. That's right. Nameless. <laughs> so Tamisha says cash and knowing the rules of money employers for themselves and their employees, it affects productivity in a major way. Definitely helpful to explore other opportunities available to add cash to the bottom line. Well said Tamisha, Josh talks about how he can't tell us how many labs collapsed mm. over the last 18 months. He's and I think Josh is in that laboratory environment. Uh, industry, I believe. Cash is king, he says. Company estate sales made it so we could supply growth at a 45% discount. Ouch. How about that? Can't you just see the grandparents of some company going into estate sales and, hack, you know, basically company liquidations and haggling over lab equipment and Man. office furniture and the like? Uh, I $70. <laughs> T-squared says a tasty cake honey bun that would normally be a dollar. Shouldn't now cost three dollars and twenty eight cents. He's gotten not going to mention the establishment. Mm, wow, <laughs> that is enormous inflation, and there's a lot of that out there, right? That's right. So, Ranga, to your point, the shrinkflation. So during the pandemic, the quality of name brand goods got bad, so I switched to the grocery brand for rice checks, rice bits, whatever you call. Them. Went from a dollar fifty. Uh, well, a dollar thirty-nine for a thirteen-ounce box to now two fifty for a twelve-ounce box. Um, so, I mean, you'd ha have to help me do the math there, guys. But <laughs> that's a dramatic change in price, it is nonetheless. So, let me add one final comment here from Gene. 
Gene, again, going back to that cash management that both of you were talking earlier, Gene says, our cash position throughout the pandemic has been our saving grace in taking advantage of critical inventory that was allotted to those who could pay. Best defense is a good offense. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that, I wonder what kind of inventory that is. Yeah, that's, but that's a fact, isn't it? I mean, the FP&A, by the way, Ranga, you're talking about is forecasting, uh, planning, and allocation, right? So allocation is a, is a truth. Those with the capital get the inventory, right? Mm. And that's what, exactly what Gene's talking about. So Ranga, uh, all right, so we've tackled the cash management. Well, well backing up, we've, we've offered up some observations on what's going on out there in this, this changing economy, right? We've talked in particular about some things that folks really need to lean on, starting with cash management and forecasting. Now let's talk about automation. So Ranga, tell us more about automation. So this this is all this is um, this is not just about technology, but automation is another critical element here. And what what we've we've started to see, you know, I talked earlier about the unemployment side of things. Uh, it's still really hard to hire. It's still really hard to find people. Um, and this is regardless of industry. Um, you 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 see it out there that it's unemployment rate. The unemployment rate has continued to stay fairly low. You know. Three and a half, three six, three seven, whatever. It's you know, it's it, it's it stayed it stayed well below four, um, you know, for for the better part of of the last couple of years. Um, automation is one of those areas that can actually help in this area of unemployment because if you've got, here's the benefit. Right now, there if you if you're making some of that those automation choices today, um, it's going to help. Um, you know, regardless of what happens next. So. You know, if we're in two more quarters or a year or two years, whatever it is, right? It doesn't really matter. The automation will help you because you're not having to then hire um, hire those folks. And you know, in some cases, it's not it's not about replacing employees because it's not that you're 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 getting rid of folks. You it's it's taking what you have and and helping them do their job better. And you know, in particular, um, this is where technology can play a part. Where you've got People doing really manual things that you can automate with with technology. Um, you can you can uh, you can paper over uh, errors or issues um, that that you know. Again, particularly right now, it's like people don't want to do these manual manual things. And if we can we can solve those things with technology, I think automation is a critical element. And again. Can help you on saving saving costs just because you're again helping uh, you know reduce on terms of the hiring you need to do um, and protecting the team you already have. That's right. And for those organizations out there really focused on hiring top talent, that top talent is going to expect uh, automation and forward looking technology in their roles. So so win 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 win. Greg, speak to us about automation. Some of the things that Greg Rong was mentioning. Buckle up. Um, so <laughs> one of the things we talked about is that. And I fully believe this. I'd hope, honestly, hope I'm wrong. I'm almost certain that I'm not, but I hope that I am. And that is that some people will never come back to some job, right? There will never be enough truck drivers, for instance. So automation, autonomous, whatever you want to call it, is is a necessity. People are staying away in droves from manufacturing and warehousing jobs, precisely some of the roles that Ranga is talking about. And um, automation is not just augmentation of the human staff it is in some time in some cases a replacement and not a replacement of people who have jobs replacements of people who refuse to take the jobs right i mean mike rowe kind of sounded the alarm that seven million men men specifically seven million men have remained out of the workforce these are able-bodied right verified able-bodied human beings and that's what helps um you know, that's what makes sort of this Mixed signal, Ranga, you talked about of some of these economic factors. That's what makes it so confusing. How could so many people not be working and yet the unemployment rate be so low? It's because they've dropped out of the workforce. So some of those people may be waiting for the right opportunity. They may be waiting for the economic conditions. They may be still, you know, and we know this is true. Some people are still living on, um, or at least partially living on, um, Stimulus money, but that's coming to a quick end as as 
consumer credit increases, people are charging their credit cards up. Um, but nonetheless, there are some jobs that will I never go back into human hands. And and it's better both for the humans, in my opinion, in some of these jobs, this dark, dirty, dangerous, and dull jobs. It's better to have automation or robots or whatever do those jobs. But also some of the jobs that require consistency and lack of emotion and things like that, those are better jobs for for automation as well. And let human beings take those jobs that elevate them and capitalize on what our gifts are, right? Which is making rapid, life-changing decisions with inadequate or unavailable data or, mm. or inaccurate data even. All right. So automation, we could, we could spend hours talking about some of the things going on there. It's, it's fascinating. It really is to what you, you, uh, Greg and Ron have already shared, but let's talk about inventory management because I, and let's start with Ranga. I think Greg asked a valuable question. I think it's important for you to kind of uh, give your definition as context for for why folks should lean into it. So let's talk more about inventory management, Ranga. Yeah, I think, um, and I probably almost almost should use the term inventory strategy. Uh, and and it's, it's, I'm really glad that Greg brought up the the patio furniture example there because you know the the the, the reality is um, what what do people do. When what what have we seen happen as as prices have gone up? As prices have gone up and shipping has gone up, a bunch of companies all made the the choice. You know what? Oh, I got to buy now. Um, you know, it's almost like the it's almost like the planning for for the holidays. Like you know what? It's there's going to be delays in shipping. There's going to be delays in in all of these things. So I got to overbuy in October because you know I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get my Christmas presents in December if I wait till then. Um, that's sort of what happened with companies. They 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 overbought, um, particularly overbought when shipping costs were as high. We just talked about that that uh, those freight costs and container costs. You know, if you bought a bunch of stuff in February um, because it was cheaper, but then you're paying twenty grand a container. I mean, you you had some serious costs, and so um, I think you have to be really careful with how you stockpile and build inventory. Um, and I can't remember who made the comment, you know, they made the, the, somebody made the comment about, you know, if you've got the cash, you can, you know, inventory can be allocated to you. Um, but again, it has to be done smartly. Like if you know where you've got a product that sells and that people are going to buy it and it's got a good, it's got a short lead time. Um, that's one thing. Um, but if you don't know that and you're just buying it and you're stockpiling because you think costs are going to go up, um, you're, you're tying up cash that could could allow you to make other choices. So you have to be really smart about what you stockpile, how you stockpile it, how much you stockpile it. And, and that's going to really impact your cash flow. It's going to impact your forecast. And you know, you kind of have to, you know, manage all these these elements. But I think this it's really that critical last element um, here in this inflationary conversation of of making sure that you're not tying up um, precious cash um, for inventory. While at the same time, you do need to make sure you have enough inventory because if you don't have product to sell, then you're you know you're 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 stuck. Obviously, yeah. Well said. I'm coming to you next, Greg. Really quick, uh, CM and CM, you got a, a new uh, profile pick, by the way. That's why I didn't recognize you earlier. You've been with us on many of these. No plan, overbuying, bad. She says, "I love that." Um, That's a college course. In, in three sentences. So listen, to, y'all folks, listen to that. Okay, so Greg, comment yeah. on inventory strategy, as Ranga mentioned. Well, I mean, typically, look, I came from a company a long time ago. Their sole business was what was called forward buying, which we talked about a little bit offline. And it, it is hedging inventory against future price increases. But there are a lot of stipulations there. One, it has to be high volume product to begin with. It has to be highly in demand. It can't be speculative or short shelf life or short life cycle product. Like, man, Ranga, you're right. This this patio furniture example is the perfect example. As Ranga said, you've got to be careful where you put your cash in inventory. Don't put it in risky inventory. An inventory you've paid too much for that has a short season or life cycle to it, right? And um, and you, and 
you can only get one time. You can only make one buy. Don't take your risks. Don't take your, uh, don't extend your strategy, right? Don't forward buy on product with a short life cycle or is seasonal or is fashion or any of those things. And that's where a lot of these companies got, got stuck because it wasn't just patio furniture. It was also loungewear, which Ronga is a, a, he's a shoe horse, right? So he loves shoes. Um, but I mean, I bet he didn't buy a lot of new pairs of shoes during the pandemic because who, who would see him on Zoom? Right. Right. And, and now that people are getting off Zoom, they can't just wear sweatpants all day long. So they're starting to buy more formal goods, clothes, or at least casual clothes that they're comfortable being in front of human beings in. So you have to, again, all of this ties back to two things. One, predict the consumer, predict your customer. And it's all about cash. Every single one of these things is all about cash. Cash is the point of forecasting better, of providing better automation, of better inventory strategy. I love that term, inventory strategy, inventory strategy. Everyone <laughs> impart that into your mind. Um, because those are that is the entire point of what we're trying to do. We talk about supply chain not as a cost-saving exercise, but a risk balancing exercise. We want some speculative, just like you want in your stock portfolio, but you want more stable, right? And sure thing in it. And you have to balance your costs and and your risk out there in, in your inventory. So um, this is a great listen up moment, just right. listening to what Ranga is talking about here. Agreed. Agreed. And by the way, I know y'all love that patio analogy. I think there's a there's some kind of global supply chain analogy related to eggs because they're just as fragile, but we're paying a lot more for it, right? So we'll come back to maybe an egg analogy uh, well, later you know, on. They have in the shelf conversation. life too. I mean, you right. keep them forever, right. right? So patio furniture and eggs uh, analogies for global supply chain. Uh, Ranga, all right. So we've tackled cash management, forecasting, automation, inventory strategy, right? Um, as we start to kind of come down the uh, the home stretch, as it were. Let's, uh, Ranga, beyond these four things, beyond the observations you've already shared, what's next for global business? What can business leaders expect moving forward? You know, I think probably the biggest thing, uh, and, and I, I love this phrase. Uh, I heard this earlier from, from, uh, from somebody, building certainty in uncertain times. And, you know, I, I use the analogy, this there's a lot about what we are in right now that feels very similar to March of 2020. Um, and, and, and what I mean by that is in March of 2020, we all went home for a couple of weeks and we're like, oh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And then it was a couple of weeks and then it was a couple of weeks. The difference now is, you know, for the most part, everything's opened up, you know, people are, are back out, they're out shopping, but what it, but, but it's similar in the sense of, well, we don't know. Is this is this a two quarters? Is this one quarter? Is it you know a couple of years? Like, are we at the beginning of of this? Or are we at the end of this? Um, I can't remember if this is in the pre conference or, or or earlier. But but Greg made the point. Like, you know, we 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 said we just we just escaped the recession, but you know, it was it was um, it was it was mostly due to, to paying more for stuff. Um, you know, and, and I think that's really what what I think business leaders have really got got to think about and look at is how do we how do they build certainty in uncertain times because that's 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 where we're at and I think that's where it's going to be for for a while now is is try to figure out what you can control um, what you can you can get your arms around and where you can influence and make changes to uh, to drive things because. Um, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's that's uh, that's frankly uh, out of your control, um, and and that's not going to change. Right. Okay. Uh, I got to share two things here. Tamisha says I had to replace my Zoom pants. Then I'm back meeting businesses and families face to face. I love that, Tamisha. And Jerry says I was at a gift shop yesterday. Plastic pumpkins were half price. Cashier said they accidentally ordered a thousand instead of a hundred in June. Going back to that forecasting. Ooh. Directly to Ranga's point, right? Right. There are a lot of things that are out of your power 
So don't mess up the things that are in your power, like ordering a thousand instead of <laughs> that's Man, a lot of plastic pumpkins. No kidding. Um, okay, that's ten. That is ten Halloween's worth. Just think of it that way. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, I want to level set on the on the back end of the conversation too. I think a lot of folks assume what uh, Netsuite does, but in a nutshell, Ranga, what do you and the team do at Netsuite? So you know, I was. Uh, I always talk about NetSuite as, as it's an, an application that allows organizations to run their business. And uh, what we provide is a single cloud-based application with a vertical experience. And that's that starts with the foundation of financials. Uh, you know, oftentimes will include CRM, commerce. Um, you know, it really kind of depends on the business. But we, we built an application to run a business um, that's run in the cloud. Um, and it's that single cloud-based experience to enable a company to run their business wherever they're at. You know, whether they're um, on the beach, they're at home, they're in their their office. Um, that's that's kind of a nutshell of what I of how I position NetSuite. And in fact, we helped a lot of businesses over the last couple of years be able to run their business. Um, you know, even in the in the current scenario. And um, you know, I'm not trying to be bitchy or you know try to to um, to, to overly sell it, but you know, I always I always say this to people: um, uh, our customers are are some of the best customers in in the world, and you know what they say privately is what they say publicly, and they all have their they all have their challenges, they all have their their things they love, and um, and it's one of the things I love about my job is I get to talk to a lot of them um, all the time and hear what they're what they what they're experiencing. Well, you got one right here. Looks right like there. Josh yeah. Goody. From Seattle, loves big fan of NetSuite. So thank you, Josh. I appreciate you. Uh, your timing is impeccable. Uh, and Ron, I really, Ron, I really appreciate what you shared there because I'm sure rubbing elbows with customers that are leveraging NetSuite to to um, push your business forward in these in, in these times we're all fighting through. I bet that's a very rewarding aspect of what you do, Greg. I'm going to come back and get your key takeaways on the on the back end of the, in here in just a second or two. I want to talk about the resources. Saranga, so you brought a cool resource to the uh, to bear here today. It's a business guide focused on seven steps to recession proof your business. So a uh, quick question for you. Saranga, why should folks check out this business guide? So this is a great business guide to check out. We uh, we've got a we've got a number of resources like this. I think probably the biggest thing, just as we've said here, is we don't know whether we're in a recession or not. We all feel like there's there's definitely aspects of it that that feels like a a, a recession, and we're we're in a in a slowdown. We know that um, these steps are 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 things that businesses can take um, now, um, regardless of the situation. So you know, even if it even if suddenly everything just accelerates tomorrow, which would be great. No, that's not going to be the case. Um, but you know, there's some great steps in here that that people can take, um, regardless of whether we're in a recession or not in a recession or or whatever you want to you want to call it. Well, uh, folks, y'all check that out. Um, we have dropped the link to uh, this business guide in the comments, so you're one click away. Uh, give a little bit of information and download. I've already reviewed it, and this is not. Uh, a pitchy business guide. This, you're going to get some really good agnostic information, good leadership uh, insights here. So seven steps to recession-proof your business. Uh, okay, Ranga and Greg, I tell you, it's been a whirlwind conversation. I'm looking forward to, Greg, your final takeaways here. But before we do that, Ranga, let's make sure that folks know how to connect with you and the NetSuite team. How, how would you suggest that? So I think there's, there's the, the three things I always say. Um, if they want to connect with me directly, uh, obviously, uh, I'm I'm always open on LinkedIn. Love to connect with people. Um, that's definitely there. Um, connecting with Netsuite, you know, it's it's Netsuite.com. We've got uh, a number of great resources. Um, we regularly run uh, different events, virtual and in person, um, as well as provide business guides. and uh, And you can get that at Netsuite.com. Um, if you're you know if you're if you're interested in having a further discussion with us, we've also got a whole live chat over there too. So um, any of those three mechanisms are are great ways in which to to reach reach us. Wonderful. Well, Greg, I know we've enjoyed uh, Ranga's perspective here today. I'm gonna get your key takeaways in just a second, but before we do, we're gonna bid adieu. Brian to- Jerry Levy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jer- uh, Jerry says thanks, guys. Love these seminars. Very informative. Headed to his 1 p.m. class. 
No and running bet, in the halls, Jerry. <laughs> I bet if you're not headed to class, you're, you're, if folks are headed to their 1 p.m. leadership or management meeting, uh, Ranga, I really appreciate your approach here today in informing our audience with what you're seeing out there. Uh, Ranga Bodla, Vice President, Field Engagement and Marketing with Oracle NetSuite. Thank you so much for your time, Ranga. Thanks, Ranga. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Greg. Greg, man, uh, on the front end, I was like, man, this we're going to need an extra an hour or so because of the good stuff here. And we efficiently, uh, you and Ron and all the comments, we, we, we worked our way through it. But I, I love how he packaged that in those four categories, right? I mean, and there's certainly some others out there, but those four are perhaps some of the most critical things for business leaders to keep their eyes on. But that's enough for me. What's some of your key takeaways from what you heard here today and what we talked about here today? Well, uh, I, I think the final point, the um, seven steps to re recession-proof your business, there's never a wrong time to recession-proof your business. So mm. get that stinking book sooner <laughs> than later. I mean, we didn't. nobody saw the recession, arguable recession we had in the first half of this year coming. And many people don't believe that the next I mean, whatever, the continuation of it or whatever you want to call will come in 2023. It will. Trust me, it will. But, but you know, it's rare that a recession um, doesn't sneak up on you. It's just, one, you know, in one moment, and everyone can look back and say, in one moment, the economy was booming, and then all of a sudden, it's not. So, um, you know, it... And to be clear, right, to this point, this is why it matters to recession-proof your business. No economist has ever always forecast a recession. Mm. They've, they've always been wrong at, at least part of the time. So um, even if the pros can't know, how can you? So why not be ready? Again, it's part of that risk-balancing strategy for your business, for your supply chain, um, and all these things that that um ranga has talked about i've experienced them right i've been a, i've been a practitioner i've been a retailer and i've been a technology provider to them and um, i've experienced it i've helped them through just like he's doing with his team at netsuite helping companies to get back on top of the pile of cash rather than having it fall on top of you <laughs> um and there are two things that he addressed here that are the biggest uses of capital in any company labor Right. As and, and automation is the answer to that, because labor is either expensive or it's hard to get. And two is your inventory. Inventory is usually the largest asset owned by any company that makes or sells product unless they also own their real estate, which is such an illiquid, illiquid asset. That you can't do anything about it anyway. Right. It's Kmart. Um, so managing those two things really very carefully, smartly, and with, did I say smartly? I did say smartly. I will go with it. Anyway, intelligently and, and with that risk balancing uh, point of view in mind is absolutely critical. Yep. Well, uh, speaking of inventory, there's going to be uh, uh, a flooded market of plastic orange pumpkins probably in ten everyone's neck of the woods, right? Fully mackerel. <laughs> Imagine buying 10 years supply of anything. Oh man! Wait, well, hey, folks, feel like they may have bought a ten-year supply of toilet paper <laughs> in twenty twenty. Uh, folks, check out that the business guide that we mentioned. Make sure you connect with Ranga and his team. I'll tell you what: if you're not already having these conversations, if you haven't already taken action, hey, still deeds, not words. Jump in there, make it happen. It's. it's uh, I hate to say it's never too late, but hey, I'm optimistic. It's never too late. Just do it now. Act now. Also, I'd, I'd also encourage you um, beyond connecting with Ranga. Ranga's, there's a lot of great conversations he's been a part of. You can uh, check that out probably at netsuite.com or on YouTube. I was doing some homework earlier. I really enjoyed his perspective. Okay. Big thanks to we Ranga. We didn't get to answer some of these questions, gang. I mean, they're coming in fast and furious, so we didn't get to get to them. So if you want to hit me after on LinkedIn, um, I'm happy to go through at least one take on on some of these questions that y'all have. Wonderful. So get your questions in. There will be no quiz uh, later today, I promise you. But Only to hey. me, apparently. <laughs> big thanks to Greg and whole team. Hey, big thanks to Catherine and Amanda and the whole production team for helping to make today's session happen. Big thanks to Ranga and all of our friends at Oracle NetSuite doing great work there. I uh, really enjoyed his perspective here today. Greg, always a pleasure to knock out these conversations Likewise. with you. Uh, but folks, again, 
take action. You know, don't don't hope, as we talked about. Mm. Don't uh, protect the status quo. There's always something you can be doing. Small, big, you name it. Uh, it's all about deeds, not words. But Scott Luton and a whole Supply Chain Now team challenging you to do good. Give forward and be the change that's needed. And with that said, we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.